Good morning, church. And uh, we're looking at the book of Romans. But before that, many of us enjoyed Leviticus. <laughs> Personally, I, I really struggle with Leviticus. <laughs> I love Romans. <laughs> okay. Before we go to the book of Romans, can we recall that Jesus came to rescue mankind? And his message has been the message of the love of God. And Paul was once named Saul and now took up his name as Paul. He began to go ministering the word of God. The book of Romans, he presented the full explanation of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. And so we're going to, today we're going to just cover an overview of 1 to 8, chapters 1 to 8. However, you will, as you read on Romans, you will enjoy the gospel that Jesus preached. And I want to take us to the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse number 25, to see what Jesus himself said about himself in verse 25, Luke chapter number 24. Now, I read from verse 23, but did it, this is the story about the road, uh, the Emmaus uh, encounter of Jesus. The two men were walking and they met Jesus, not realizing him, but he told, him, told them this. In addition, some of our women amazed, 22, amazed us. They went into the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive, 24. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but he himself did not see. 25, he said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning, 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scripture concerning him. That brings us to the point that Jesus told us that from Genesis to the end of the Old Testament was just about him. A lot of times we look at Revelation and say, well, this is the New Testament. This is where Jesus came to be. But the book of Genesis, where Jesus was first introduced to us as a shadow of what he will do. Praise the Lord. And so when we go to Romans, the same episode is what Paul was preaching to this community. A letter he wrote to them while he was going to um, Jerusalem. So we see that in book of Romans, Paul began his story. And the story is about Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus has come to save his people. Jesus is the glory of the Father. Jesus is the Godhead. And Jesus is the only message that centered, he centered on and brings life and healing. And how can we be saved? He went on to tell us that it is simple just by believing. 
He said, oh foolish, how foolish you were. You did not believe, you did not receive the message. It is not by our works, Paul said. It is just by believing the gospel. And if you could today look onto that word, because a lot of times Christians struggle to do a lot of things by themselves. They want to be upright, they want to do things. God is calling us out of that attitude. He said, just believe in me. And by believing, the spirit will work it out in you. That thing that looks difficult is easy with me. But out of me, you can do nothing. John chapter 15, verse number 5. And so we know that Jesus is actually the message of the gospel. And also from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to see, as we re read through the, Romans, the book of Romans chapter 1, Paul started writing his uh, explanation of the gospel. If you could flip over to chapter 1, and we will... Most of our talk today will be on chapter 8, but however, we want to see what happened in chapter 1, and then we will go on from there. And he reads, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Verse 2, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures so paul is regard reporting again saying this gospel you are receiving is not just something we are a new invention it's not something i developed it's not my making but i have come to understand this from the book of the prophets from where the God himself called us, promised us salvation in the book of Genesis chapter 3. And we know he said that he will come back to save mankind. And this is the gospel that Paul brought to the Romans. And why are we looking at it today? Because the moment we understand the writing of Paul to the Romans, it gives us understanding of the love of God for mankind. It is not by the work of man. It's not by struggling. It's not by living upright. It's by receiving, believing in him, being in him. And that gives you an access of God's righteousness, which is in Christ Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit worked it out through you. And then you will see the power of God. And we see in that, we will go on and read in verse number 16. If you go over to 16, and Paul was writing to them, telling them about the grace and the love of God. He said, oh, look at it in verse number, number 16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jews and, for the, and then for the Gentiles. Friends, it is for them that believe. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel, the good news. The good news is what is drawing man unto salvation. Not by the strength of a man, not by the power or anyone's ability, but by this belief, when we believe the word we hear, he said in the book of Mark, chapter number 9, verse 23, he said, if you can believe. And Abraham, God looked at Abraham, he said in chapter 17 of Genesis, he said, if you walk before me, chapter 17, verse 1, walk before me and be perfect. If you can just walk before me, all you need is to trust and obey this word. And it shall work 
out in you. In John chapter 6, verse 63, it says, The word I speak, they are spirit and life. They give life to them that find them. And so we need to know that it is not, it is not just about gathering. It is about believing the word of Christ. And so Paul went on to tell us that this is the power of God. There is power in the world. There is power that can change, transform, and bring to life that which is impossible with men. In the book of Matthew, it is written in, verse, in chapter number 19, verse 26. It is written with men, this is impossible, but with God. All things, including that challenge that you are facing, including that situation that looks impossible with God. All things are possible. And that is why we need to hold on to the word, not onto our, our ability, not onto our knowledge, not onto our skills, but onto the word. The word changes. The word is what transformed the word, the beginning. If you remember when Pastor Matt was telling us about Leviticus, he said, God called the word. In Genesis, he said, God called the word. The laws are the principles, the word of God. Power of God unto salvation to many that believe. If you can believe, if you can hold on to the word, what is the word saying to you today? Paul is encouraging each and every one of us in this place today that as you hear this full explanation of the gospel of grace, the gospel of love of God, you will see that you will have the ability to overcome that challenge that looks impossible. You can overcome that addition, that problem, that situation that you think is a nightmare. God has the word for a season. In the book of Psalm 107 verse 20, the Bible says he sent forth his word. He healed us of all our diseases and delivered us from all our destructions. And that is the word that Paul is bringing to us today. So we look at the, the word of God in this place. So I take you back to verse number three, chapter one of Romans, verse number three. We'll take a few, few verses and we go to chapter two. And in verse three, it says, regarding his son, so the gospel is about someone, the son of God. And so he said, regarding the son who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name, for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles, friends and brethren in the Lord, the Lord is calling us from every walk of life. We are asked to come and believe the word, receive this word. And the word we are saying is that which gives you the ability to be transformed. Paul was once a persecutor of the church of God, but because he received this word, his life changed. He became one who was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it was the power of God and it's still the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. So the, the first chapter here explains, introduces the, the righteousness of God 
God is righteous, who has loved us and has given us his son that we, through him, might be saved. And we should not be ashamed of this gospel that we have received. And we should hold on to this gospel. So he went on to tell us, because we were alienated, and chapter 2 we portrays this by saying that we went on our own way. Not because of what we have done, but because the, the mark that Adam missed. The moment he missed it, human nature became sinful. So by birth, we are, we, we are all made sinful. Not because of what a child or a person has done, but because of the mark that Adam missed. And he went on to tell us that there is salvation. Man has yearned for this. And that God has sent himself, his son, his only begotten son, to set us free from damnation. And so we will see, if we flip over to chapter 2, we see that God's righteous judgment upon man, because we have gone astray. Isaiah said that all has gone astray, everyone to his own way. We, like sheep, has gone on our own way and no one to come to bring us together. But there is hope. And that is what the message Paul was writing in the book of Romans chapter 2, that we have been judged because we have gone astray. Separation from life is called death. Separation from Christ, which is life. He said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so when we go away, when we separate ourselves from life, we face death. And that is the judgment. Not that there is God. You know, people sometimes, friends will tell me, but the old time, old gospel and old uh, testament God differs from that. No, it is the same. It is that man separated from God. And that is, has been the judgment of old. And that is still the judgment. And the God in his infinite mercy and love seek a way to reconcile man, to bring man into himself. Book of Leviticus, does it sound familiar? That God see the mess, uh, the chaos in the world, and he wants to bring us back to himself. He made certain processes that we can follow and be able to come back to him. That is what the gospel of Jesus is. Jesus himself came that he may save his people from sin. And that is what Paul is saying today and saying in the book of Romans, that he is explaining what revelation the Spirit has given to him to call, call him into apostleship, to be able to bring this gospel which was of old and which is still now and which was in his time and today is still the same. The same call to believe in the gospel. Believe that Jesus is able to set you free. Believe and it will be for you as you believe. Not by your work, not by trying to change attitudes, not by trying to make amends, just by believing him. And it sounds so trivial because people look at it and say, no, I need to struggle to do this. I need to put things right. It says in the book of Matthew, in chapter number 11, verse 28, it says, come unto me, you that level and are heavy reading. I will give you rest. God is interested in giving you rest. Not by your struggles. He is interested. In the book of Exodus 33, verse number 14 and 15, he said to Moses, My presence will go with you, 
and I will give you rest. The Lord will give you rest whenever his presence overshadows us. And so we're going to see that in chapter 2, man was, was he, Paul put it clearly that man went away and that the judgment for going out of life is death. That man died spiritually, has no relationship with God anymore. The Jewish community, we are so happy about that because when he was writing to the Romans, there were, it's a mixed community. They have the Jews, they have the Greeks and the other community. Remember that the Pentecost brought a lot of people together. And when he preached to this group and they were happy, went home and continued in the fellowship of Christ. However, the Jewish, knowing that they are the chosen race and they were happy that, well, they are the chosen people. And Paul went on to say in chapter number three that even the Jews, their sin was worse because they have the Torah, which is the law. They knew what God wants them to do, but failed to do it. Remember Exodus chapter number 19, when they said, Moses, you go to the Mount Sinai, get the information, get the laws, we will keep it. But little did they know that the law they will not be able to fulfill. So Paul in chapter 3 of Romans explained that not just one person, and that is why he said in verse number 23, that all have sinned and come short of God's glory. All, not just the Gentile nation, not just people that are alienated from the beginning, but no, everyone has sinned. The Jewish community, the righteous, the non-righteous, they have sinned. And come short the glory of God. Remember that sinned. That it was a remedy. Was a past tense he used there. And so we knew that God has a plan for his people. To set them free. And that is what Jesus has accomplished for us. But a lot of us still wander away from that message. And so Paul was trying to bring it to the knowledge of everyone. That Jesus has set us free. And so he see that in verse number 23, he goes on to tell us that, oh, that, that all everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. And no one is exempted. But do you know, in verse 21, he said, but now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophet testify. This in Jesus Christ to all who believe, there is no difference. So if we, in Jesus Christ, the, the, the testimony of Paul is that it has to be in Christ. Outside of Christ, there is no righteousness of God. In Christ, if one comes in, and he first said it in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17, he said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things has passed away, and behold, all things becomes new. Now, one may ask you, how can all things pass away? All things has passed away because you have been transformed, translated from the old nature to a new nature. And that is what John was writing when Jesus said to Nicodemus that you must be born again in John chapter 3, verse number 3. He said, how can an old man go into his mother's womb to be born anew? But he says that you need to be born of the spirit and of water. Friends and brethren, what he is saying is that you need to be transformed by believing the word of life, which is spirit. Jesus' word is spirit. 
and his life. And so when you receive the spirit giving, a life-giving spirit, it transforms you from the old nature, the Adamic nature, and brings you into the new reality in Christ, which is the spirit of God, which we will see as we go on in chapter number eight. But hold on, we're going to look at what happened to the Israelites in the, in the time of old. He said they could not fulfill the law. Therefore, they were also condemned. When you go out, you separate yourself from God. And that is the condemnation. And that is where Paul was saying to them, as we go on, we will read in, in the book of um, uh, uh, Romans chapter number 6. We will see, he says, we should not continue to dwell in sin. Why? Because we have a new nature. And so in, ch in chapter number three, God reveals salvation, God's salvation to mankind through Jesus Christ by dying for us and by his death, he redeemed us. Paul took upon this topic to write extensively to say no one is righteous, no, not even one. And he concluded in verse number nine, what shall we conclude then? Are we all better? Not at all, because certain people we are claiming to be righteous, to be, oh, we are chosen people. We have the light of God. We have the law. We have the Torah. But the law is not what they have fulfilled. And so they, we are unrighteous in the sight of God. And Paul was explaining this, being a Jew of, uh, in his time, and he said this in verse number nine. Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. And that is from the book of Isaiah. So we also see that in verse, in, in verse 21, assurance of God's salvation and redemption was proclaimed again through the mouth of Paul. He said that the righteousness of God coming to us through faith, through believing the gospel of Christ. And, and we read in verse number 21, but now a righteousness from God apart from law has, has, made, has been made known to which the law and the prophet testified. This, is, this in Jesus Christ to all who believe, there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presents himself, God presents a sacrifice of atonement, which is Jesus Christ. Through the blood we are justified. God made Jesus sin, that your sin will be taken away. So you don't bear it anymore. If you be in Christ, your sins we are taken to the cross. If you receive the word, it means that you have laid upon him who was condemned for our sin, the sin of all. And therefore, your, the righteousness, which is Christ Jesus, has come into you. And that righteousness introduces us into the Holy Spirit, which Jesus himself promised in the book of John chapter 14, in verse number 16. And he, he told us that he will send us another comforter, another helper, a teacher, a, a, a one that would direct us, one would guide us and bring all truths to us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will dwell in you. you. Remember, if you are familiar with the story of Leviticus, that God, the tabernacle of God was built in the center of the people. 
And that tabernacle today is being built in the heart of men and women. And that is where God dwells today. God dwells in your heart, the tabernacle of God. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thou shalt not defile it. Because the temple where God dwells is you. God does not dwell in houses anymore. He dwells in our lives, in individual being. So Holy Spirit comes into us because we receive Christ by death. We have also joined in his death by accepting Jesus, receiving his word. And when we say, how does this happen? It might sound trivial again. It might sound simple. But the fact is that you must be willing to say yes to his word. A lot of times, the spirit of God will minister to a believer, but he will choose to do his own will. When, it, when the spirit says, go and help brother or sister, or do some certain things, because it's against your own desire, you choose to do your will. Friends, what we are doing is called disobedient to the spirit of God. That is absolute disobedience. That is what separates God and man. When you, he speaks to our heart, he calls us to trust and obey him. He wants us to willingly hear his voice. Depend on him. Solely depend on him. If you can hold on to him, Paul says, if you can depend on the Holy Spirit, you will be able, he will even intercede on your behalf. What your needs, what you desire, he will reach out to it because he will speak into your situation and bring goodness out of the curse. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we, we're going to read on and see that it was a challenge for Paul in his time to convince the Jewish community that, well, they don't need to fulfill any part of the law in order to be righteous. And so he was telling them, before the law came, there was a man called Abraham, chapter 4. Now we're going to chapter 4. He said, Abraham was a man, and God called him. There was no law. Law came with Moses, and that was in Exodus. So in, Ger in Genesis, we heard about Abraham. And the Bible said he was justified just by believing. And it was counted unto him as righteousness. Friends, God wants us to believe him. Not just following rules and regulations. He wants us to say yes to him. I love David in his writing in chapter 23 of Psalm. He said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He begs me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Besides the water, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. He leads, not David leading him. It is in our situation, we want to direct the word of God. We want to direct God. But God says, I want to lead you. I want to lead you. I want to be the guiding star. He said, the light, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. He shows me the way to go. Oh, friends, what he is actually asking of us is that we must depend wholly and completely on him. And if we can hold on to God's word, he cannot fail. Psalm 138 verse 2 said by that God's word, he honors it so dearly. 
the word of God. He cherishes it. He told Jeremiah when Jeremiah was perturbed, worried, I said, how can I am a child? He said, ooh, in verse, chapter 1, verse number 12, he said, I watch over my word to bring it to pass. God will not let his word that he has given into your life go unfulfilled. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, he said, the word of God has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. And it will not return to me void. It will accomplish that which I have sent it to do. God will see his word to fulfillment. He said in Revelation that heaven and earth shall pass away. But not jot. A jot of his word will never pass away without being fulfilled. And so his word is so is him himself. And that is what John in his writing, recreating the, the beginning, the, the Genesis account of creation, he said, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Word of God is God. That word in verse number 14 took flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of that word. So Paul was teaching us here in Romans chapter 4 that it's not Abraham justified because of his faith in God. Likewise, Jesus has come to give us this grace to receive his word and be justified. Justification by faith, not by law. And so the book of, the book of Romans is trying try to explain and expound what the gospel of Jesus is from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It brought about the cures, the difficulty of serving God through the laws. That the law, we'll see in verse in chapter 7, he said the law was to show us our weakness because we it cannot justify us. The law was to show man that we can we are wherever we fell, he points it at that we have failed in this area. But there is no redemption in the law. Therefore, Jesus came to redeem us, to justify us. And so if the son justifies you, he said in the book of John chapter 8, in verse number 32, he said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And in verse 36, he said, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So it's the son that makes us free, not the works of our hand. Not the, uh, uh, the much effort you have put in to become a Christian. No, not because of any work. And no one is left out. Everyone from the Jews to the Gentile community, everyone alike. Paul brought this community to know that it is not because of your righteousness. It is because of his righteousness. And that is the message of the gospel of, uh, of the book, epistle of, uh, of Paul to the Romans. And so we see that Abraham was justified by his faith, not by his work, not by his doing. And therefore we go to see chapter number five. Chapter five talks, talks about the grace of God, that it is a free gift. A free grace, salvation of God, justification of God, the, the, the righteousness of God is a gift of God to mankind. Therefore, you cannot boast of it. Therefore, no man can lay hold of it. Say, I worked it out myself. I was able to meet the demands of this righteousness. I was able to get to the mark that God is looking for. For no man can do that. And so we know of a certain that indeed for us to be righteous, we need to receive this gift. And any that receives it has a new life in him. Jesus makes that one whole. 
And that is the message of verse number uh, chapter 5. Chapter 5 began with, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we have we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured not God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom we have who has been given to us. So we see here again that Paul is saying that indeed we are justified by faith. Not because of any man's activity, but because of the righteousness of God given to us as a gift. And he went on to say, now you gain access to grace, unmerited blessings, unmerited favor. You are called the son or daughter of God because he adopted you. He taking you through the absolute redemption and absolute justification. You are now a friend of God. God gives you this love. He poured, I love this love because when John was writing in 1 John chapter 3, in verse number 1, he said, behold the manner. I like behold, you know, King James Version was always say, behold the manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Behold. Check it out. See, behold the manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That we alienated enemy of God. The book of Romans says that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. How can you love your enemy? This is amazing love, not just amazing grace. Amazing love, how can this be? Your enemy, you love him so much that you lay down your own life for the person. This is where Jesus showed a love that Jeremiah cried out in Jeremiah 31, verse 3 and 4. He said, he loved us with an everlasting love. A love that doesn't end. Even before creation of earth, he loved man. No wonder uh, the psalmist David cried out and said, oh, what is man that thou am in chapter 8? In the book of Psalm 8, uh, he said, what are thou man that God is mindful of him? Of course, you can think about it that way, that God so loved you. He came where you were yet sinner, where we were all sinners. Christ laid down his own life that he may set us free. This is awesome. This is beautiful. That someone that loves you so much, even while you are doing contrary to his desire, laid down his own life that you may live. This is beautiful. And Paul was saying, it's grace. We don't merit it. It's not, it's not paying back what you have done. It's not because of how, how meek you have been, how humble you have been. No, it's because he loved us. Oh, how he loved us. And so Jesus said, in, in the book of John, chapter number 3, verse number 16, we know that the Bible says, Oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe, believe in the God of heaven, believe in his word, whosoever believe should not perish but have everlasting life. 
God gave it to us is a gift, a gift from God that we be saved. And that grace of God that is abounding will be able to set us free. Now, brethren, it did not promise that you will have a free ride on through the on your pilgrim to on earth. No, he didn't promise that there won't be a challenge. He didn't promise there won't be tri tribulation. There won't be difficulty. There will be those things. But looking unto him, the author and finisher. The Bible says, look unto him. You know you have a crown. Why are you going? Many a times, many of us perhaps are sports people and we have done exercises. You know that when you start off, it is not easy. When you go to your gym, it's not easy. But you keep on because you know you are working out for a purpose. The end point is what holds the gospel, the, the explanation of the gospel. We know that there will be challenges. He said, but look, there will be sufferings. He said, we also rejoice in our sufferings because, reason. He said, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Many a times, as a young boy, I was praying, God, give me the grace of patience to, be, to learn to be patient. A lot of things come, came, kept troubling me. So I was trying to view the spirit. I said, God, give me patience. In my subconscious, I was, one night, I had a, a, a quiet voice in my heart. And it says, if I show you the way of patience, will you go? So, of course, I want to have patience. The first challenge was, ah, it was difficult to love a, a loved one when you have nothing to hold on to. Therefore, I was, I was almost devastated. But another voice came back again. Do you still want to go the way of patience? To stay, to stay put with God when you are troubled on all sides, when you are challenged beyond your measure, you want to give up, you want to throw the towel in. He said, those things are building you up. Those things are making you who you are in Christ. Those are not what has saved you, but in them, you build perseverance. You are able to stand the test of time. You are able to say, whatever be, let it be. Or for Christ. For Christians in those days, we are martyred. So many, so many of them in amphitheaters and all that. And believe you me, they were walking into their death with their hearts singing to the Lord, rejoicing. Not that they don't feel pain. Friends, suffering will come. But look unto him the author and finisher. Look unto the salvation you have. Look unto Savior, our Savior. He died for us. And you are his, and he has given you his life and called you into his suffering and into his glory. You will share his glory as the Bible recorded. And so we know that our suffering is for us to be able to persevere. And perseverance brings out our character. Our character will bring forth our, our character will produce hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. The Bible made us know that it is not easy to pass through these challenges without the Holy Spirit. So we can't do it without the Spirit of God.
And a lot of times when a believer receives Christ, the spirit is given to him. But he wants to drive the road. He wants to lead the road. But the spirit needs to lead you in order for you to be fulfilled in him. And that is where we are going now in verse number six. A lot of times we do this our own way. We try to push our strength. We try to mimic Brothers and sisters who we say, oh, this brother is uh, holy. This No one can be holy unless God makes one. And so you say, oh, this sister is holy. You want to mimic him. Look unto Christ. For he is the righteousness of God given unto man. He is the holiness of God. As you read in the book of John, in Revelation chapter, I mean, Romans chapter 1. We saw that Paul referred him as the holiness of God. And so we know that indeed, it's only when Christ is in us, we become that which he wants us to be. Oh, friends, you see, a lot of times we want to struggle. A lot of times we want to do it our way. And so Bible is telling us in chapter 6, can I take you to Romans chapter 6? We hope to get to chapter 8 because that's where our story is. And so chapter number 6 says, verse number 1, I, I won't keep you long. <laughs> He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus, we are baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So what we live today is a new life in Christ. And that life is a life that does not have desire, pleasure for sin. When James was writing in James chapter 4, he said that things that causes us to go away from the presence of God is our desire. When it is born, it leads to sin. And therefore, sin leads to death. He said the lust of the eyes, the desires of the body or the flesh, and therefore the pride of life. These are the things that draw us away or take us away from, from God, God's presence. And so Paul is saying, how can you then say, if you have received Christ, you've decided to go away from the, the opposite side, which is go out of life and so you have come into life you continue to live in Christ which gives you life and power to overcome sin how do we do this he said it's quite simple by us having the Holy Spirit working in us and not just working in us but also hearing the voice of the Spirit listening to it through the word remember the word that he speaks to you they are spirit. You don't need mountain or to go to Jerusalem or to the mountain to be able to receive the message of God. The message is already in within you. All you need to do is to say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Help me to know your voice. Help me to distinguish between my voice, the voice of, of the world and the voice of God that I may know. And that is where your voice, the voice of the spirit speaks loud in your heart. And people say, how can I stop all the bad things I do? Of course, it is simple. The Holy Spirit, not by any man's power. The Bible, Bible says in the book of Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 6, it says, it's, uh, Zechariah was speaking, it said, it's not by power, it's not by might, but by the Spirit of God. 
And therefore, he says, Zerubbabel, you can do it. You can do all things. It's not by your strength. It's by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that dwells in us. The Spirit given to us. We do not need to resist the Spirit. We need to allow the Spirit. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, what it does is to reform and transform us. Make us the image of God, which we are. Remember, Paul, uh, Peter, uh, we, we read in the, uh, that God was telling them whose image is on this coin. And they say, it's Caesar. He say, know you now that this image is for Caesar. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God. You are the image of the Most High God. Give to yourself to God. Who is your God? Who is your Father? He invites you, Paul invites you once again to know who you are in Christ that you don't need to continue your old way how do we overcome by allowing the Holy Spirit trusting the Word of God believing in it that time you want to go for those things that are not right in the sight of God hold on to your word hold on to the Word of God speak to your father he loves to hear you he wants to speak to you and so chapter 7 is about the law a lot of complications came up and say, oh, what about the law? The law made us to be free, to be righteous. And he says to, to them that the law is just, the purpose of the law was to bring out our weaknesses, to show us our failures. And so the law cannot justify any man. No wonder if a good uh, a man came to Jesus and said, Master, what can I do that I may be saved? Jesus, the Bible says Jesus loved him. Jesus is the embodiment of love. He always loved, no matter what the situation is. His first response, the Bible says Jesus loved him. And then say to him, you know, the, you know what is written in the law? Keep the scripture, keep the laws. And he said, I do keep them. I have I've kept them from the time I was born. And Jesus looked at him, didn't dispute it, said, yes, indeed you have. But one thing is remaining. The law cannot justify. Because of that, go do this, sell what you have, come and follow me. That put that man away. You see, the greed of life was telling him. You see, he will not see with his own lenses that he has greed in him. But when he see that he was a wealthy man to give out what he has, God gave you his son. You cannot let go of what you have. It's yours. But we want you to share among... And he was disappointed. So God's lenses is different from yours and when he sees you he sees truly who you are and who i am and so paul was reminding them that the law will not justify the law for those of us that want to hold on to doing good deeds believing that i have kept all the laws it will not justify us and that is where we want to take it in order to meet up with time and so we want to quickly go to number number eight i love chapter number eight that is the chapter of the chapters and i say in verse number one he started therefore it means he has been saying things before so if you look at chapter 27 verse 24 and 25 he went on to tell us that man has messed up man he was talking about i i i he himself was referring paul was saying i i i couldn't help myself what i want to do i don't do them i can't do what i want to do i want to do good but i see myself doing the wrong thing i want to do this but i see myself i can't help myself but in verse number in verse number 22 and to 25, he went us to tell us how after everything, there is redemption in Christ. There is redemption in Christ. So if you look upon that, he made us to know that slaves to sin, but you, can, you are redeemed in Christ. Therefore, look at the verse, last verse 25. Thanks be to God. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to this law of sin. Therefore, verse number eight, chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is now, now, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I want you to think about that. If you will capture that, I want you to know no condemnation. Not because of what Paul has done after Paul persecuted the church, but for now, Verse number eight, chapter eight, verse one. No condemnation, no matter what the condemnation. And condemnation is a strong word used in, the, in court of laws and all that. Condemnation is about judgment. It's about making somebody um, to be outlawed or bound or to be punished. But here, he said, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? No condemnation for you and I. We are free. We are, if we are in Christ Jesus. He said, because, verse 2, because through Christ, through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. We are free. It is the salvation of man. It is Christ fulfilling this. And Paul explained it that we may understand what the gospel of Christ is. No condemnation. Not because we have repented. Not because, but because we have come in Christ. You know, a Christian, whenever they receive Christ, they say, but I still see myself doing this. That is the, the old nature. That doesn't make you condemn. When, when you see yourself that you have, oh, gone astray, all you need to do is to turn back to the world. He will take away all those things that are following, that has, because you have lived an old nature, and those nature needs to go as the Spirit leads you. That does not condemn you. Condemnation, Christ did not come to condemn, but to restore us, to save us. Therefore, when you receive him, salvation has taken place. And when righteousness of God is imputed in you, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, therefore you become, God sees you as the right one. And so when he sees you standing right with him, all he needs to do is to pour more of his love, more, more about Jesus, more of his grace, more of his goodness into your heart through the Holy Spirit to purify and sanctify you. And this is a process. Now this does not mean that you are not yet his. You are already born anew, a new creation. And that is why Paul is saying no condemnation for us that are in Christ Jesus. If you flip over, if you go with me to, and so he continued that, that there is no condemnation. No matter where, no matter how you are, you have given your life to Christ, you are now a new creation. And he went on to tell us, I would like to take us to verse number 9 to 11 and then 14. We will round up quickly. He said, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Friends, this is important. If we don't have the spirit of God in us, we don't belong. No matter how much, you know, a lot of us will wear a big cross to define us as Christian is a good thing. I love chains and all that. Um, you could wear a bangle, you could wear clothing that say Jesus only. Um, that's beautiful, but it does not make you a child, one that belongs to Christ, unless you have the spirit of Christ. 
This is the difference. This is this does not it's not written on our faces, but it is what defines us as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ. This is the main thing that Paul is preaching that the Holy Spirit comes into a man's life. Oh, he said you will become Christ. You will be like him. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. If Christ is in you, your body is dead to sin. And that is absolutely right because Christ has no sin in him. Therefore, if Christ is in you, he cannot sin. We sin because of our old nature. And therefore, we must let Christ take over all our force, everything about us, from the beginning to the end. From that place, you think he shouldn't come in. Oh, oh, this one, uh, I will think about it maybe next year. You lock up the door. Now God is asking you, let him in. He will be the one to sweep it up. Don't worry. You don't need to walk at all. He will do the cleaning. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, from all sin. Everything. You know, say, I made this mistake. I don't want anyone to know. Let him know. Let him come in and clean it up. He is a master cleaner. He will clean up. No matter the mess, no matter how many years it has been, God is interested in restoration. God is interested in revival. He wants to change our attitude towards his, your father. We have been alienated so long. He wants to bring, he has, he brought us back. He wants us in. So he's saying that we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit. Don't resist it. Don't say, no, no, no. The old way we do it is just come and do our, our rituals, our traditions and all that. God is saying, beyond your tradition, look up, look and see the horizon. I am the one that makes you new. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. John chapter 10, verse 10. So we went, we go on from verse number 10. But if you if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. 11. And if, I want you to take note of verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. It's the spirit that quickens. It's the spirit that brings life. It's the spirit that revives. It's the spirit that makes you whole. So those things, those attitudes that you say, I don't want this one, just hand it over to him. Give it to him. Say, Lord Jesus, here is this attitude. I don't want it anymore. He knows the best way to take it away. He will cleanse it. He will make you whole again. And when you come to him, you will never be the same. He has no one, he does not condemn. His word is to love. He is to show you mercy and kindness. And so when we look at that, we go flip over to, he continued again from verse number 12. He said, therefore, brothers, we have an oblig obligation, but it is not, it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. One will say, how do I live to, according to the sinful nature? The Bible says in Galatia, Paul writing to the church in Galatia, he said in chapter 5, verse number 21, he said the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of the nature is this. He listed all the things, several of things that we do. You could flip over there if you want to. We don't have that much time. But he lifted it up. But he went on in verse 15. He said, if you walk in the spirit. Say, brothers and sisters, walk in the spirit that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. That's the only guaranteed 
place that we can overcome flesh, desires of the flesh. That's the only place we will overcome those attitudes, those things that are difficult. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. The question is, how do we walk in the spirit? How do we march on? The answer is, depend on the word. The word is the spirit and life. Hold on to the word. Grab the word. Do it, read it, say it often to yourself. Your heart will, it will, oh, I love Acts of Apostles chapter 19 verse 20. The Bible says there that how mightily grew the word of God in Ephesus and prevailed. If you're listening about the ancient Ephesus, how that place was a city of business and of of certain behavior, traditions and culture that were against believe, believers' life. But God's word thrived. He grew mightily and prevailed. So when your word of God is in you, continue growing in you, what he's doing is breaking all those barriers, all those giants, all those mountains, all those situations. He's changing them. You might not see it physically, but he is walking in it. He is changing dimensions of things, making you to see a new horizon because he is in you, working it out. So you might not see it the first day that you have stopped or maybe lying, or telling tales that are not right. But as you continue pouring the word of God into your heart, into your life, the renewal continues to grow. It takes a, a process, but that does not condemn you. Christ does not condemn us. He has come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Friends, before we round up, I would like to quickly take us to verse 14 and then to verse 30 to show us what God in all he's doing has for us. The Holy Spirit is wonderful. In verse number 14, the Bible says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If you are being led, if the Spirit leads you, if you allow this word to guide you, if your word, the morning, day, and night, is through the word of God, it says you are just, you are, as you are led by that word, you are children of God. You are called into his love. And so it says on in verse 15, as you have been led by the Spirit, and now sons of God and daughters of God, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. You see, the ancient Jews, ancient um, Jewish community, don't call God Father. They they refer him. In fact, they don't really call him the four consonant word, which they referred as his name, because he's holy. And no man without holiness can call that name. And so they normally refer him as a name they give to him. For instance, Adonai, Jairajel, and all the rest of them. They call him different names. Eloha, Elohim, meaning cause. But that word, their belief is so holy that you cannot say it with your name. But Christ himself said, pray in this way. Matthew chapter, nine, uh, chapter 6 verse 9. He said, when they ask him, how do we pray? He said, call God your father. It's a shocking moment for the believers to call God Father. It's, it's blasphemy to Jewish community. But to call God Father, it means that you have a relationship. You are pure, you are holy. And Jesus gave us that right of being calling God Father. 
call God Father. Paul is repeating it here. He said, now, with the Holy Spirit, you can, and you are able to say it. Because what? Look at 15 again. For you did not receive the spirit of fear. And, and then he says, and the spirit, you, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Abba is Father, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Because it's only children that can call one father. It's only a son that will call a person daddy or father. And, or or a, ch a daughter will call a, father, a man a, a father. Now, if you are not a child, you don't call him father. Jesus called us to become sons and daughters of God. To call God, to be happy to say he is our father. And we, through the Holy Spirit, call God father. And not only that, the Holy Spirit also does something. Verse 17, he says, now if you are children, then we are his. You inherit blessing. You inherit glory. His of goals and co-heads with Christ. And he says, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And I, I, I will want to round up, but I want to take us to <laughs> verse 28. Let's quickly wrap it up, please. So verse 28 to 35, we see again, I would love us to take our time at home. Read verse, verse 28 to 35. Read it and digest it. It will be a life-changing moment for us because we will see how much God loved us, that nothing can take separate us from his love. There is nothing, no, no power, no kingdom, nothing at all can separate us from what God loves. And he says here in verse number 28, he says, oh, and we know that in all these things, God worked for the good of all those who love him who had been called according to his purpose, who has been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be, to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then, brethren, I would love you to, to take your eyes on 31 and see. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I mean all things, not some things. 33, who will bring any charge against those? I want to let you know that no one will bring any charge against God's chosen. You are God's chosen. Who can bring charge against you? He has justified you. The, the message stands sweet. Remember, we say no condemnation for us in verse number one. In now 30, 31 and 32, he's saying, who can condemn you? Who can bring charge against you in a court? Who is he? That you are a chosen of God. He has sanctified you. He justified you, not by your works, by your faith, by believing in him, by trusting his word. And when we say we believe, not by mouth, by holding on to his word, we must know what he said. You can't be a friend of someone you don't hear his voice. You don't hear him, you don't know him, you, you haven't ever gone to check out who he is. You can't be a friend. So when you hold on to his word, when you... Digest this word and hold on to it and obey it. 
when that word is dwelling greatly in you, the love of God shows forth. He said, who? No one can bring any charge against you anymore that you are God's chosen. And so he went on. Please look with me. He says in verse 34, who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us? Who and what can separate us? Is there anyone, is there anything that can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship? A lot of times we face hardship and trouble. We will tell beloved brethren, it's because of this challenge I am unable to come to fellowship. I am unable to do this. I'm unable. We have reasons. We have excuses. And to us, it's genuine. But God is saying those things cannot separate Hardship, tribulation. In King James Version, it says tribulation. That means things we suffer, the distress, the challenges. He went on to say, well, and I like it. I like Pastor Marty always mention about seven things. This Paul mentioned seven challenges that man can face. And if you look at it, there is nothing that was not covered in that place. He says in verse number 34, who is it that, con that can condemn you? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 7, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to, to be slaughtered. No one in all these things we are, we are, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, when I look at that more than conqueror, I know that when a person goes to battle and overcomes, he, he, he conquered. He's a conqueror. But more than a conqueror. Have you ever given a thought to that? More than a conqueror. So people fight or had a battle and they come out someone, uh, declare someone victorious or he's the victor. He is the conqueror. Now, but here he say, we are more than a conqueror. Friends and brethren, you already celebrate victory even before the battle starts. You have victory. You are assured. There is confidence walking into that challenge. Say, what are that mountain? I like, I like Zerubbabel. He looked at a mountain. He said, what are that mountain before Zerubbabel? Become a plain. He was speaking. And no wonder Jesus said, you will say to the mountain, move from this place to the sea. And it will obey you. Faith. You have more than conqueror spirit in you. Praise the Lord. I can see that we, we will wrap it up here. Praise the Lord. But we see that we are more than conquerors. We have that which God has deposited in us. The spirit of life. The spirit of God. Which can revive us and renew us. Praise the Lord.